Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Sunday evening. Joining me from Seattle, Washington is the machine, Kevin Pelton. Hello, Kevin. What's up, Wendy? There's a lot going on in the NBA, actually. There's a lot of teams on rapid rises and rapid descents. And um, we don't have time to talk about it all. We had to kind of joust with a little bit with who we were going to feature. Um, but I think uh, we're contractually obligated to talk about the Lakers, who got uh, rough news with um, Anthony Davis over the weekend. He has a foot injury. There's There's been some mixed reporting. I've heard some things. Um, I think there is an uh, it's unclear. And maybe by the time this pod comes out, there'll be more of a statement. The Lakers haven't made an official injury announcement yet. Uh, Darvin Ham talked about it on Sunday. Um, my feel is that this is an injury where they're evaluating several different options on what to do. But suffice to say, he's not going to be out a game or two. He's going to be out an extended period. And hopefully it's an injury that he can, you know, get some get some treatment on and, and get it healed. Um, you know, it's not good. It's not a sprained ankle. It's not a sprained foot from what I understand. It's something a little bit more concerning than that. So um, the Lakers had really caught some traction here, Pelton. I went to, to LA this week. I, I was there. I talked to some of their folks. I watched them play. When I left LA on Friday, I was thinking, you know, within a few days here, the Lakers could be ahead of the Warriors in the standings. And I, you know, th- they had sort of found a formula that was keeping them in games. Uh, their three-point shooting had gotten better. Um, they had gotten healthier. Uh, Russell Westbrook moving to the bench has been more helpful than when he was in the starting lineup. He still has his moments either way, but um, he wasn't hurting them as badly and in some cases was helping them. And Anthony Davis was playing, you know, first-team NBA, all-NBA level uh, basketball and even LeBron who, um, you know, to put this diplomatically, LeBron's activity level and intensity level defensively tends to come and go based on, well, I shouldn't say this. It tends to come and go. I speculate that it sometimes depends on his faith in the, in what the team can do. And it looks like LeBron in recent games has been hugely invested. Now, they have a game tonight as we're about they're tipping off right about as we're recording this. So I don't know what will happen in this game, but Kevin, what is your initial feeling? Let's say that it's a month without Anthony Davis. What do you think the Lakers are looking at in a guy who was going to be a absolute clear cut uh, all-star now being sidelined uh, yet again in his career? Yeah, and maybe even more than that so far this season. You guys talked about the Von Temps straw poll on Friday. I was one of the voters who had Anthony Davis on my ballot. He got my fifth place MVP vote based on how he's performed this season, despite the Lakers record being what it is. So that's that's obviously going to be very difficult to replace. I mean, Thomas Bryant gave them some great minutes in the second half of that win on Friday night against the Nuggets, but uh, counting on him to play at that level, you know, over an extended absence is not fair, I think, to Thomas Bryant. <laughs> Or, or to the uh, Lakers. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Yeah. And look, I mean, as much as the Lakers had sort of elevated what their upside looked like, the way that they've played lately, and even in that loss to the Celtics that they had in overtime on Tuesday, you know, still 
I think was an impressive performance, all things considered, and you know, obviously beating the Nuggets, but they didn't have a lot of margin for error in the first place when you're starting out at 12 and 16. And when you then lose Anthony Davis for a month, and like realistically, is that going to be the last major injury the Lakers suffer this season? Probably not. So that's that's where I think it all kind of starts to stack up against them. Yeah, I mean, so they started very well known two and ten. Um and they were 10 and uh, coming into this game tonight, 10 and six cents, um, having played a pretty challenging schedule. Um, this last eight games they had a six game road trip where Anthony Davis missed two games. They went three and three. Then they split games this week with the Celtics and Nuggets at home, which, you know, was really good um, to, to, to do that, to, to go four and four in that eight game stretch. You know, I, I thought it, it acquitted them well. It actually, you know, as I was looking around, I was kind of thinking, you know what? Like, maybe, maybe it could happen. Um, and, uh, you know, and I say maybe it could happen. Maybe, maybe they could, you know, make the play in. Um, and heck, you know, under certain circumstances, maybe even crawl into that six, depending on what trade they're able to make. I felt as as optimistic about I've been up at the Lakers really in a long time. And I was and, and you could feel in Los Angeles there was a lot of um respect for Darvin Ham. I mean, there still is about what he's been able to do with this team. The the team is is uh you know significantly flawed. We've gone over that. Um he's been ridden pretty hard for maybe sticking with certain lineups for too long, but he just doesn't have a um he doesn't have a long list of players that he trust in my view based on his actions i don't think he's got a long list of players that he trusts and not just a part of the roster i and mean i I'd thought that got, i thought that second yeah. half against the celtics was very telling that they basically yeah. stuck with the same guys and i think it eventually yeah. caught up to them in overtime yeah he um he played to to win a regulation he went to overtime and it didn't work um but i i, I kind of you know got myself to the point where i i said okay like maybe they can happen and i you know, in talking to folks around the Lakers, you know, of course they're very interested in various trade talks. Um, I think there was, you know, a feel that there wasn't a lot of players available at this point, which is not stunning. You know, there's a lot of teams still in the mix and it's early in the trade season window here. Um, but that uh, there was going to you know, there was significant interest uh, and there maybe still is, but the problem that they're now looking at is they have a really tough rest of this month. Um, they're in Washington tonight. Washington has lost nine straight games. Um, I don't know what will happen. The game will just tipped off. Um, if Washington doesn't win this game, I, we'll be talking about Washington on Wednesday. Um, but uh, they have this little road trip here. They come home for a game, and then they have a, another five-game road trip where they go back out east. They sort of have um, um, just th- their schedule this month is really, really un- unfriendly. I, I, you know, there was a, there was a, in November, there was this time where they got like four or five days off in a row. And I actually saw some people grumbling, like how do the Lakers get to have four or five days off? Everything goes their way. And, you know, I've heard some people complain that just because of TV and and um, I'm sorry. The the game the game is in Washington. I'm sorry, is in LA tonight. I don't know why I said the game was in uh, Washington. I saw the Wizards people in LA this week. 
Um, they go on the road uh, tomorrow to the Suns and then the Kings. But um, uh, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought there. Um, but their schedule, you know, they, they, they had to be gone on on Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's this year, and they had this trip where they, you know, go through Dallas on Christmas Day. So Pelton, like now, I don't know where they're going to be at the end of the uh, at the end of this month, and you know they're going to take some losses without Anthony Davis, and I go back to wondering, you know, where their motivation is going to be on the trade market. It's it's very hard for them to convince themselves to take up cap space next year or use those two first round picks that they have. So the you know the two type of trades that they sort of have at their disposal, one is to use Westbrook and the picks for a star player, um, you know one or both of the picks for a star player, somebody who gets a big salary, um, and that's the kind of trade they're looking for. But you know there's not a lot of stars potentially available, and you have to really weigh whether a player who might be available is worth potentially mortgaging what you've left with with what you've got on this roster then there's the, the the second trade this is the trade they've been more trying to do recently is looking at taking patrick beverly and kendrick nunn both of whom are on the last year of their contracts and flipping them for a player who could help them more immediately more um, likely a shooter or somebody with size and that type of trade it doesn't necessarily guarantee they'd bring back somebody with money on his contract, but it's probable that they would trade for a guy who would have money left on his contract. And if they did that, that would spoil their option to use all the Westbrook cap space this summer. They would, it would choke that off. So they've got to, they've got to sit there and choose between closing cap space or giving away the draft picks. And they're only going to do that. I think if they really believe that this year's team can get something real done. And that's really been the, where they've been at since October. And I do think they were moving in that direction. They were, they were being convinced that this team could get something done and they were starting to move in that path. And now I wonder Pelton, if he is facing a month or longer, whether or not they ever get themselves there and they just take it on the chin this season, it's not a decision that gets made today but certainly is going to have them putting the brakes on. Uh, I would suspect um, any, you know, try to look at a significant move right now. Well, I think it's not a move that get, gets made today is the important thing there, because as much as we talk about December 15th is the start of trade season, because it's when so many additional players become trade eligible and it becomes a lot easier to make trades is our colleague Bobby Marks loves to point out, there are very, very rarely actually trades consummated in the month of December. And, you know, certainly not very often, uh, as he pointed out, you know, the last one was the one that his nets made with Terrence, with Houston involving Terrence Williams many years ago. That was the last one that was actually on December 15th. And part of the reason for that is you just know so much more about where your team is going on January 15th than you do on December 15th. And even more a couple of weeks after that, when we actually hit the trade deadline. So, you know, I think there was a lot of talk about the possibility that that smaller move involving Beverly and or none could be something that the Lakers could do more, you know, more quickly while leaving the Westbrook option is something possibly down the road. And I think that it affects the chances of that because yeah, to your point, if you're scraping just to make the play in tournament, 
then that's not worth throwing away. Certainly either the two first round picks that you can trade. That's been my position from the start. Like when you're in a hole like this, stop digging is the first thing you do. They do have a lot of second round picks. I hadn't realized I just looked this up, but they have Chicago's second round pick this year, which uh, might might be more valuable than it seemed when they, when they got that one. That's a very fair point. Uh, Chicago is our going to be our next our topic in a little bit. I don't know if we'll be our next one, but um, yes, um, you know the thing is, you know, the, the, some of the teams around them are also having difficulty you know you're you're looking you know Steph is out so they're going to take some the Warriors are going to take some losses although they they got a win in Toronto who is one of the teams that is going the wrong direction Toronto has lost five in a row and has slipped to 10th in the Eastern Conference even though they got healthy as just a quick aside they finally got healthy and they've lost eight out of ten and now there's folks saying maybe the Raptor, you know, uh, maybe the Raptors should um, consider getting into the Wembenyama sweepstakes. It's uh, that's the way it's going in Toronto. But um, you know, if you're if you're you know the Lakers coming into this weekend, you're saying, well, heck, the Warriors are the team right in front of us. We're only a game and a half back of them, or I think they were, you know, two maybe uh, they're tied in the loss column right now. So um, you know, depending on how things go tonight, they could have. Um, they could have passed them. And, you know, the Timberwolves are in front of them. The Timberwolves are no great shakes and not playing really well right now. And the, and that's, that's 10th place right there. Like you could convince yourself that you could, you know, continue to keep your head at 500 and get through this tough portion of the schedule because the teams are, you know, right in front of you are also dealing with injury problems. And, and now you've got your own injury problem just as bad. So, um, it's it's really a tough hand for the Lakers. And I guess if you were being cynical, you would say, well, you, if you have Anthony Davis and you, <clears throat> and you put your <clears throat> all your eggs in the Anthony Davis basket, you're going to be disappointed because um, he's going to get injured. But this was another injury that it didn't seem like a high trauma injury, Pelton, unless there was something else brewing there that we didn't know about. It just looked like he landed oddly on the foot. Um, it's um, it, it's, it's got to be frustrating for them. Um, it's time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify. And join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create those diehard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business. From an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. Shopify is the secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. Now let's talk about the play of the week. 
the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. Before we talk about some teams that are playing well, let's talk about the Bulls. The Bulls gave up 100. Pelton, the Bulls shot 52% on the road tonight in Minnesota. Minnesota was coming back from a long road trip that was not great for them. Um, I saw them on the trip. They looked terrible. They were looked like zombies. Um, they were having all kinds of difficulty scoring um, without Carl Towns. Um, their their guard, their point guard position has been a little bit of a mess. Um, uh, with D'Angelo Russell has been banged up, although he came back. Um, oh, oh and, he came back all right. Yeah, and so you score, you shoot fifty two percent on the road in a team's first game back from the road trip and Gobert was out tonight. Okay. So you're saying, okay, we're going to take advantage of Gobert being out and we're going to, um, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to shoot 52%. Like if I had told you that and I, and then, and then I said, by the way, you're going to put up a, you know, not only you shoot 52%, it's going to be like a real 52%. You're going to score 126 points. You're like, <laughs> Well, we're breaking our losing streak. Um, the Bulls gave up 150. Oh, by the way, Nas Reed, who was their starter at center, he got hurt like in the second quarter of this game and didn't come back. Um, so the Timberwolves shot 66% in this game. They were at 70% through three quarters. Um, Ant Edwards had a killer. I think he had 20 in the third quarter in this game at 37. Um, Russell had one of the best games, if not the best game of the season. He was plus 33 and the bulls get absolutely blasted. They are on a start of a four game road trip after getting swept in, in a, in a homestand, a two game homestand against the Knicks, uh, a couple days before that. And I have to tell you that the Chicago Bulls are now 11 and 18. And let me see, are they in 10th place or have they fallen out of the, even the whole play in line? If they're they, not they are they're, 11th. Okay. They've fallen to 11th. Um, they've lost four in a row, seven of 10. And Billy Donovan gave, an update that uh, Lonzo Ball is still not able to run without pain, and I mean at this point I, I don't know I don't I, I know there's no timetable but I can't see how he you can realistically expect him to come back this season. Um, Pelton, what should the Bulls be thinking about right now? Like like you know if you if you were brought in to consult their front office. What would your what would your advice to them be about how to go forward at this point? 
I th- my advice would be to not worry about the fact that your pick for that they sent to Orlando to complete the Nikola Vucevic trade is top four protected this year because you, you got to try to get value for the players you have on your roster well you can. I mean, Vucevic, who knows what his value is at this point, but DeMar DeRozan suddenly you know, is a year away from his extension eligible in the offseason. Uh, you have to start thinking, I think, about his future already. I was kind of prepared to come on this podcast and talk about how you know Chicago had been to a degree unlucky making up for the luck that they had last season, you know, their point differential before today, it wasn't actually all that different from last season when they were outscored on the season, but they were 25 and 16 in clutch games last year, which was the fourth best record in the league this year. They're three and 11, which is the worst record in the league. So it's completely flipped on them, but you give up the well, most it's because points. they're not as good defensively. I mean, you know, they were good defensively last year. They could get, they could get stops. Yeah, you give up the most points since 1982 that the Bulls have allowed the most points in Timberwolves franchises, as our producer Jackson notes in the chat. Uh, it becomes a lot more difficult, I think, to to make that argument that you know you're you're right there and and you've just been somewhat unlucky. And it's kind of the same situation as with the Lakers, who are also in 11th in the West. Is you have no margin for error. I mean, yes, they're only a game and a half out of the the play in at this point, but you know, that's how serious are you of a contender if you're going through the play? And I think it's a, a fair question, especially in a conference where you're talking about playing either Milwaukee or Boston, most likely, you know, maybe Cleveland in the first round. In the West, I think you can talk yourself into, hey, we could go through the play in and then potentially pull an upset, especially if we're a team with championship experience. That's a lot harder case to make for Chicago. I think the upside for them at this point is to is to get summarily dispatched in the first round like they were last season. Like that's that's the best case scenario for that. Okay, yeah, let's do some let's do some reverse math because the one math you can say is that they're a game and a half back of the Toronto Raptors who are in free fall. And you could say, well, you know, we can catch the Raptors. But let's do reverse math. Okay. As you said, they owe their pick to Lando Magic if it falls outside the top four it is top four protected right now as we sit here the bulls have the nba's seventh worst record um that means to keep if the if the lottery store was today if the, if the season froze today and ended today the bulls would have a 30 percent chance of moving from seventh into the top four um uh to keep their pick so 70 percent chance orlando gets it um that's with the team that they have right now Um, if they are able to get down to fifth now, you know, I'm not even going to rule out fourth. you know, fourth is if, if they could somehow get to the fourth worst record, that would be big because the, the top four, they all have a 50% chance of getting into the top four of staying in the top four. Um, if you're if you're either the number one or number two worst records, you know you have a 52 percent chance of staying in the top four. If you're third, you have a 50.3 percent chance of staying in the top four. If you're fourth, you have a 50 exactly 50 percent chance of staying in the top four. I don't know if the Bulls can get down below any of those teams because um, uh, because right now we're talking about Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston. I, I don't think San Antonio and Houston are making moves to get better. Charlotte, in theory, should improve now that Lamelo Ball is back and Gordon Hayward are back. 
So maybe you could get in there. But I, if I were Charlotte, I would be looking to sell off myself. And Detroit has been a little bit better recently, but only a little bit. But even if you could get to fifth, fifth worst, you'd have a 42% chance of keeping your pick. And that now has to become a number you got to seriously consider. Because not all, yes, you would be, it would, to, to lose that pick is gutting, but I'd rather go for, I'd rather go for it and have a 40 or 42 or 50% chance of keeping it than ending up in no man's land, not, not giving yourself assets. Um, and, uh, and, you know, having a 30% chance because that's where they're at right now. 32, actually 32%. And I hate to be the guy in December to talk about the percentages in the lottery, but this is what their front office has got to be discussing. They've got to have talking about this. Um, um, I know they just signed Zach Levine to a five-year contract, but I think they got to consider it. I think they got to see what that market would be. Um, there'd be some worries about his knee. I think they got to see what the, I, I know, I, I know for sure there'd be a market for DeRozan. Busevich would be a rental, but there could be a market there. Um, there would definitely be a market for Alex Caruso. Don't you think Pelton there would, you know, oh, yeah. you, you'd probably be able to get a first round pick for Alex Caruso is my guess. You know, you're not getting an unprotected, you know, 2023 first round pick for Caruso, but you could get a pick for Caruso. Um, and it's more that what you said, it's not that you want to quote unquote give up, but what is your upside? Um, in the last 12 months, this has been, has not been a good team. Uh, and the guys that they have on the roster, they were really banking on um, like Patrick Williams. Um, they haven't been able to be difference makers. And I, it's still strange to me that they really didn't go get a real frontline uh, point guard option with Lonzo not progressing from that injury over the summer. They signed Garan Dragic, who's been a decent signing as a backup level player, but that they really didn't do that is, I can't explain that, but that's in the past. That doesn't really, I mean, you want to do forensic analysis of the past. That's fine. Um, I, I don't, I don't know at this point, uh, that's not gonna. That's not gonna inform what you got to do going forward. And so, I think it's something they seriously got to consider, Pelton, like you said. Um, and I knew that we'd be going to the lottery board a lot during this season. Um, Wembenyama just had a uh, a weekend in Paris. They played uh, in Paris over the weekend, and there was a bunch of NBA scouts there, from what I understand. Uh, there was a number of NBA scouts there, like, um, and Scoot Henderson, by the way, like just the Bulls keeping their pick, even if it's fourth would be a huge thing at this point. So, um, that's a, that's a brutal reality, but like, I look at these teams in front of them and, you know, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see the rapid improvement. You know, one of the things that's, it's happened. The Knicks, by the way, won in um, Indiana on Sunday. Indiana had a miserable weekend, Pelton. Your former employer. Do people know that you used to work for the Pacers? It's been a very long time. 
It's not a secret. No. Oh, you're not taking uh you're not taking ownership on this weekend's performance. <laughs> well, uh, I, I might take ownership on Tyrese Halliburton if I could, but uh, okay. All right. Yeah, we've covered that. Anyway, the Pacers blew games in Cleveland and at home to the Knicks. The Knicks, by the way, have won seven in a row. They've won eight out of ten. They are uh, now in sixth place. They are within the play-in line. Um, and I'd say something else about the Knicks before we go on about the Bulls. Pelton, the Knicks are 10 and 6 on the road. Uh, I talk about the um, the Doug Moe standings, which is valuable this time of year. Um, uh, road wins subtract home losses. The Knicks are, are plus three, which is, you know, the Bucks are plus four. The Celtics, who had a bad weekend, are plus seven. The Cavs are plus four. Um, the Nets are plus four. Like the Bulls or the Knicks are right there. Like they, like they have played more road games and home games and are better on the, have been better on the road. And um, we've talked recently about their um, uh, their their changes in the personnel to defensively. They have now swung to a positive uh, differential. Like they're like all the indicators are green, Pelton. I, I don't know, um, you know, what your outlook is on the Knicks, real quick. But um, you know, that's a team that we didn't necessarily see a necessarily see in sixth place in uh, in mid December. But as long as we're going to talk about the Bulls being bad, I might as well point out that the Knicks are doing really well. Well, part of that, of course, is because they played each other twice in Chicago last week. It did help. Won both those it, games. It yeah. Now, the one indicator with the Knicks, and this is the first thing I always look for in a situation like this, is opponent three-point shooting. And lo and behold, during the seven-game winning streak, opponents are shooting 28% from three, which is the lowest in the league in that span, uh, somewhat unsurprisingly. I mean, we had that big debate during Tibbs' first year in New York when their three-point opponent three-point percentage was so low. Like, oh, they, you know, Knicks fans were pushing back against the idea that that was unsustainable. And they were in, you know, the three-point difference, uh, opposed three-point percentage didn't regress all the way to the mean la- that season. It did last season when their defense wasn't very good. But yeah. when, when opponents don't make threes against the Knicks, they're in real trouble, I guess, is the uh, the moral of the story here. Yes. Well, by the way, New York is the hub of great basketball in the NBA right now because the Nick, the uh, Nets won their sixth in a row when they won 10 of 11 and Durant had 43 and Kyrie 38. We talked about the Nets last week. We don't we just don't have the bandwidth. But I just want to recognize. I see them. We're aware. We're aware. And opponents are hitting 38 percent of their threes against them. So that is not fueled by opponent shooting at all. Yeah, they they have had a friendly section of schedule, but they're crushing that section of schedule. So, um, and this is the co- the concept of Durant and Kyrie doing a one-two body blow is what people have been waiting for for four years. So that's that's been happening. They're 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 devastating guys. But anyway, back to the Bulls. Um, this road trip, I, it's going to get worse before it gets better, and a, a loss like this um, where you give up a uh you know 150 points and you know it's going to be a something that's going to be discussed more and more i think you're gonna um you're gonna see some some bull stuff coming here and and they could wait a little bit longer but they also 
could take advantage of the fact that there are no sellers right now. And if they were to sell, that they may be able to do well in the market. And I think we may be, um, I think we may be seeing that uh, that discussed a lot more uh, coming up. Um, I, I think on the bulls, the other thing that would probably come up if I were in their front office is, okay, let's say that ownership doesn't have the appetite for tearing things down and trading Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan at this point. The team I would be talking about and the model I would be talking about in Chicago is the Portland model of let's take a brief step back and kind of reshuffle the pieces so that they fit better around our stars because that's what the Blazers did last season. They managed, they did not get, you know, they were, I think they finished seventh going into the lottery, a six or seventh. They, they picked, I believe seventh with is where they got shade on sharp. Who's a very exciting prospect, but you know, the, the moves that were so widely panned at the time in terms of trading CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, lo and behold, they were able to flip those those pieces into, you know, Josh Hart came specifically from that Pelicans trade, just as Winslow has been great for them off the bench as a fill-in starter, and then getting Jeremy Grant, who's playing at a high level this season. And lo and behold, you know, after that one season in the lottery, they're back right now, 17 and 13 against what's been a very difficult schedule and feeling good. I think about their chances of being in the top six again in the West. Yes, it's a very good point And it's a good ideal. However, the difference was that the, <laughs> the, the uh, Blazers pick was lottery protected. Yes. They knew <laughs> that they were going to get their retain yeah. their pick. Like they were, I mean, they were incentivized to get down there to get a player. Um, and they also had Which, decided that. You know that they were going for with Anthony Simons over CJ McCollum. That decision had been made, and with their from their new um, their new management that took over midway through last year, and so you know it was a little bit different. You know the the dynamic on the Orlando situation is um, is fascinating. Um, and speaking of Orlando, <laughs> Orlando again another team. You know we got all these risers and fallers here. Uh, Orlando swept a weekend series in Boston. Let's say that again. Swept a weekend series in Boston. Um, Jason Tatum did not play on Sunday for personal reasons. Um, and But nonetheless, uh, the Magic won their sixth consecutive game. Um, and they have... Uh, sort of come roaring uh, to life here. They're still kind of in the basement, but they're now tied in the loss and they're, and they're tied in the win column with the Bulls. They've got a couple more losses, so they're technically in 13th and the Bulls are in 11th, but you know, they have the same number of wins. Paolo Bancaro scored over 30 on Sunday, he scored over 20 in seven straight games since he's come back from injury. Um, he's just looked great. I mean, he has been, it's kind of crazy now. And, uh, you know, um, you know, Jalen Smith has had some, uh, I'm sorry, Jabari Smith has had some issues with this, with the Rockets and they, they don't, they use them totally differently. But like, honestly, I did a, I did a piece on this. I talked to the people in Orlando. They were undecided to a certain extent up until the final, 48 hours on Bancaro versus Jabari. And, um, you know, I think they feel good about their pick. And uh, Franz Wagner, who we've been talking about since summer, since he looked great, 
for Germany in the Euro, uh, the Euro championships um, is having an explosive second season. And Mo Wagner, his brother actually had a huge performance. He doesn't always do that. Yeah. He had a huge performance Friday um, against the, against the Celtics in that, in that first win when Tatum did play Boston's a little out of sorts, their turnover issues have come back and, and bit them. They, you know, they were pretty much untouchable offensively historic offensive numbers. Now they've failed to crack a hundred twice uh, in the last week. Um, and the turnovers bit them in this game, but uh, and, you know, Jamal Mosley, the magic's coach was talking after this game about how it's not sort of one thing. Although Ben Carroll has been a great, um, you know, offensive leader, but they're getting contributions up and down their lineup. Um, by the way, Robert Williams came back this weekend for the Celtics. This is this was supposed to be the moment where the Celtics were supposed to really turn it on. Now, granted, he's coming off a knee surgery; he's been out for for months. It's I'm not expecting him to walk onto the court and all of a sudden be Defensive Player of the Year level, but um, uh, it's still pretty impressive uh, for the Magic to do that. Um, I'm not sure, Pelton, what we can take away from this or even if it's advised that the Magic uh, keep winning like this with some pressure from in front of them, the Bulls and Wizards coming flying back at them and the Raptors too. Um, they've they've made up um, five games on the team in front of them, the Wizards, in the last 10. Uh, I'm not so sure that's what you necessarily want from them, but this is a team that's been just dwelling in, in the dregs for seasons now. It's the best run they've had in a long time. I guess we should acknowledge it. Yeah, I mean, specifically offensively, because even when this team was good, they couldn't score. It was primarily they were doing it in defensively. They, back no Steve they Clifford, have no they offensive talent. They haven't had talent on this offensive talent on this roster in forever. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure it's very exciting for Magic fans. And, you know, Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony, it was fun as it was, I guess, early in the season to see Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner handling the ball a lot and even kind of playing point guard at times in some of their second unit lineups, getting Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony back, having legitimate healthy point guards and having a consistent rotation for Jamal Mosley for the six game stretch here where He's basically had a 10 player rotation and Caleb Houston played in one game and that's it. Like it hasn't been guys going shuffling in and out of the lineup. Like it has been the rest of the season. I'm sure that's all been very helpful for them. Now I will say again, I just mentioned this with the Knicks 28% opponent, three point shooting in their winning streak magic's winning streak, 29% opponent, three point shooting. So it it is this incredibly powerful force that uh, is probably going to prevent them from too, moving up too high in the standings. But there are some magic teams of recent vintage that could get that kind of opponent shooting and not take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, again, for sure. Uh, you, you know, Bancaro is the type of talent that definitely can help turn a franchise it can be a pivotal moment i did not anticipate that he would be the type of player who could dramatically affect winning this is one of the things that i've sometimes talked about is it's extraordinarily rare to have a rookie that genuinely changes the the you know a few games yes but like genuinely changes the whole team's um you know win loss uh, record like you know even luca it wasn't like he got there he was 
sort of star ready that we've seen in, in recent times, you know, the, the, the last decade or so who's come in and like been a, ready to immediately make a difference. And even Luca really wasn't able to completely flop the Mavericks around. Bancaro is positively affecting winning. Um, you know, you know, jaw too. jaw hit the ground running and, you know, it even took him a little while. So, I mean, they were better. Don't get me wrong, but, um, Bancaro, I mean, far and away the leader for rookie of the year at this point, in my opinion, I know that when he, um, was out for a while, there was momentum for Ben Matherin and, you know, we've talked about Matherin on the pod. Matherin has done a lot of good stuff, struggling a little bit recently, but Bancaro is doing some, some just tremendous work there. And, definite reason to be excited about him for sure. No matter what happens um, the rest of this year. Um, you, you mentioned so, the call with Jabari Smith jr. And I think it is really fascinating to like go back and look at that a little bit, because one of the things that was true last year and and I watched, you know, a ton of those guys, especially Jabari, because, you know, Walker Kessler was also such a fascinating prospect to me. Jabari was the more efficient of these two scores in college. And I think, you know, Paolo probably had a, a somewhat higher usage rate at Duke than, than yeah, they were pretty much pretty close to identical in terms of usage rate. So part of it, I think was the Duke ecosystem was not as well set up for Paolo to succeed as the Auburn ecosystem was with Jabari for Jabari, because, you know, in part because of the fact that he, he didn't, he could, he didn't need the floor spacing to open things up for him the same way that Paolo did. But then you kind of put them in an NBA context and the contested shot making that was so valuable for Jabari Smith Jr. in college has not translated over, whereas Pelo's physical gifts and his kind of savvy with the ball in his hands has translated in kind of a, a better ecosystem, even, even Orlando turns out. So he's been more efficient or basically the same efficiency as an NBA rookie as he was Unheard as a of. freshman. Unheard of. And I've been talking in his since his first couple of weeks, his ability to get to the foul line. You know, we are in an era right now where the officials are calling things more favorably for offensive players than just what we've ever seen. It's one of the reasons why, um, you know, not to get into monetary policy, but, um, you know, one of the reasons why the Federal Reserve is uh, increasing interest rates is because they're trying to cool down inflation. One of the reasons why the officials are, are, you know, it was it's a directive from the league office, but one of the reasons why they're really trying to crack down on travels and carries is because this in, there's been some crazy scoring inflation here. Um, but even with that, you just don't see rookies come in and and have that kind of efficiency. Um, you know, from talking to folks in Orlando, their assessment at the end of the day was. They they felt that that Paolo was going to come in and definitely be a more impactful player, especially for them, because they knew that they needed playmakers on their team, and that they were going to come in and he was going to go be a point forward out of the gates, and they thought he would you know be more helpful. But the risk that they thought they thought Jabari had great upside, maybe even more upside than Paolo that, you know, they felt pretty good that Paolo would be the better player in year one, but, um, you know, they weren't as convinced on where they would be in year four, year seven. 
And that was one of the things that was, they were debating internally going back and forth. You know, do we take the guy who can be better now? Or do we take the guy who we think might have a chance to be better down the road? We'll see. Jabari obviously has that runway, but um, the, the Paolo pick is already paying dividends. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe if you're a Bulls fan, you start to root for the Magic to win a lot more games here uh, in the offing. Um, and also to tie it together, the Blazers, they have they still have their first round pick that the Blazers kept last year from the Larry Nance Jr. Larry Lowry Markinen three team trade. Who has it? Chicago. Chicago still has it. It was right. as far as what they're rooting for. But what's the still lottery protected? protected. So if Portland makes protected. it, Chicago would right. would get that first round pick. Right. That's right. That's a, that's like that the one um, you know, the positive asset because they're still um Aren't they out another pick despite the yeah San Antonio from the DeRozan sign and trade? Right, that's right. Um, so by the way, uh, I should put I'm, I'm keeping an eye up, Pelton. We're uh on uh, um Nikola Jokic tonight, who's closing in on a possible 30 30 game. He has a triple double, but uh, I don't know by tomorrow it won't matter, but uh, I mean it will, it will matter, but you know, won't know. But I'm just keeping an eye on that. Um we mentioned a little bit ago about the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are one of the teams that are playing well. Now they had a rough loss on Saturday to the Thunder where John Morant was ejected from the game um, for telling a fan that the refs were screwing him basically. And that was the second tactical when he got thrown out. They were already way down. It was just an odd thing to see. Um, and I, <laughs> I don't know. We may hear about that. Tech- we may hear about whether that technical gets rescinded uh early in the week but the grizzlies despite not having des bain um have vaulted to number one in the western conference um the pelicans took a few losses on their road trip um big win on saturday for the suns without deandre ayton and cam johnson and campaign with devin booker coming back from the hamstring injury and dropping 58 uh to 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 get the pelicans after they lost a couple of games to them the previous week in new orleans but anyway the grizzlies have gone to number one jaron jackson jr coming black coming uh back from his offseason injury he's played i think 13 or 14 games has blocked he's averaging three and a half blocks a game blocked almost everything in sight shooting the ball really really well um they're getting good production from their um from their from their bench that's just gotten healthier and um just chugging along one eight out of their last 10 uh to go to first place um danny green was on nba today with me and malika and everybody on friday he was in studio he was he was in la and you know he's rehabbing from his uh his uh, ACL tear that he had last year with the Sixers hoping to get back uh, by the end of the regular season. But um, he, um, he was saying something that I heard him say on the show. And I, I, I kind of scratched my head, but I wasn't sure that that's already made some waves that he said that, he, that Des Bain was hoping to get back by Christmas. I don't know if that was an authorized um, <laughs> release of information or if that's Des's uh, hope, but um, he's obviously hoping to get back soon from a toe injury, but you know, toe injuries are, are you know, I, they, they scare me. Those are things that, that linger, but obviously Bain was having an all-star season before he went out. Um, the Grizzlies continue to 
develop their players and and have good things happen. They have a real good system. Um, they're having a lot of fun. Um, you know, they were the two seed last year, Pelton. So it's not like this is a huge, you know, a huge statement for them to be number one. Uh, but with their injuries, you've got to be impressed with the way they've been able to, you know, put together their first third of the season. What I think kind of fascinates me about the Grizzlies is that in a certain way, their strengths have flipped from last season. Because last season, most notably, if you look at their record when Ja was out of the lineup, it really was a lot about their depth. So, you know, the, the you looked at their best net ratings, a lot of the guys who were up at the top there were reserves for them, particularly Brandon Clark uh, and, and Tyus Jones playing behind Morant were, were two of the guys at the top of the list. This year, that's basically reversed itself where it's the starters who have, you know, the highest net ratings, even though we haven't seen that full starting five intact because Desmond Bain's injury came before Jaron Jackson Jr. came, came back from the injury that sidelined him at the start of the season. So even with only four of those five guys at any given time, they've still been great with that group. And it's the bench without DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson in the mix that has been a little bit less effective, but they also haven't had Zaire Williams a lot. He just came back, I think last week uh, after missing the start of the season. So they've been relying a lot on David Roddy as a rookie. Jake Laravia has been in the rotation at times as a rookie. Those, those two guys have particularly poor net ratings for them. And, you know, I think what kind of is fascinating is you think about the Grizzlies heading towards the trade deadline and is that, if they could ever get all nine of these guys healthy at the same time, you could have a pretty solid rotation that doesn't include either the rookies or Santi Aldama, who began the season as their starting power forward in place of Jackson. And then you'd have, you know, obviously Morant, Bain, Brooks, Jackson, Adams is your starting five. And then Tyus Jones, John Conchar who is maybe the star of those development stories this year. Like John Conchar is a really good NBA player. The Grizzlies quietly signed him to, yeah. Yeah, they signed to a great contract. He's shooting 40% from three. Like, that's a, you know, I mean, you know, was, you're, it was like maybe his weakness in college. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're educating me on the net ratings of their bench, but I'm thinking of their bench that they come off with Brandon Clark, right? Who is a, you know, a good energy player off the bench. Tyus Jones, who's arguably the best backup point guard in the NBA. Certainly a, huge asset to have on your roster and they have Aldama who uh you know now he lost his starting job now that um uh Jaron Jackson came back but he's a guy who was averaging 10 and 6 um and also a pretty efficient shooter so like you know they run very nicely deep and as you mentioned Zaire Williams who was a starter for them last year also back as you know back as well and starting to get starting to get going now so let's talk about the Danny Green piece of it because I think it is interesting. Like, if he matched uh, Joe Ingles is scheduled to return on Monday night, which will be 323 days after he suffered his ACL tear on January 30th earlier this year. Assuming that goes as planned, that will be by like a day or two the fastest any player has come back from a full ACL tear since 2014. So that's. It's generally been at least 11 months. Ingles is going to come back. I think, you know, it's like a week shy of 11 months. So if you'd had that same timeline, like the most optimistic is what I'm saying for Danny Green would be March 30th. So it's it's possible in the regular season. Like that's that's something we could see by the end of the regular season. He does, I feel like, 
tilt a little more towards the perimeter than I would necessarily want when the Grizzlies are healthy. Like that's something that might be, you know, is that a spot where they they look to trade him, you know, to someone else who can kind of wait on that that rehab would like him for the playoffs and end up with somebody who's kind of more to me, it's a power forward. Cause if Jackson's gonna play a lot at center in the playoffs, I would probably want another four. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, you also have to consider who they may play, who they may have to to um, you know to deal with um, to get out of the of the West, and that may they may not really have the greatest feel for that yet. I mean, you can take some guesses. There might be better guesses come February. Now, we had a an interesting little moment um, uh, on set on air where I was talking about the Grizzlies trade options sitting next to Danny and brought up the concept that Danny could be traded. <laughs> um, which I assume he I wasn't think... as enthusiastic as Miles Turner was when asked about going to the Lakers. <laughs> it was not the same. <laughs> no, but you know what? Here's the thing. First off, I've known Danny since he was a rookie. Secondly, Danny is a total and complete pro um, who's been traded, what, three, four times in his career? Yeah, I think he's somebody um, who understands, understands the yeah. business side of it by this he, point. To be clear, I mean, he told me I don't think he'll mind me saying this. I mean, he wants to stay in Memphis. He wants to be there. Um, as I would say too, even if I didn't, uh, I mean, I'm sh- I have no reason to believe he doesn't want to be there, but he's, it's not like he's not been, it's not like he's gone Andre Guadala and just never showed up. He's been there, invested, rehabbing there along with the team, been with the bench. Um, you know, they also have his bird rights. So it's a good idea to say that, um, <laughs> you know, and the one thing that this, that I do think this team needs is they do need some calming veteran presence um, they have a lot of fun and that's great, but they also, you know, get a little bit loose. Sometimes we saw that in the playoffs last year. So a player like Danny would, um, would be interesting. Now, th- the reason he's Danny has, you know, he's an expiring contract who, uh, you can attach a first round pick to and do a lot of things And the, in the, in the Grizzlies have an extra, extra first round pick that they got when they sent, um, when they got him, they got him in a first round pick for, uh, D'Anthony Melton in the off season, they could essentially use that, that traits where they hasn't really been, you know, the idea was they could still flip that for later. The thing about it is Pelton, you know, this, the, the Grizzlies like to draft, <laughs> you know, you, you look at this roster and you think about Zach Kleiman and Rich Cho and those, you know, those guys, you know, Glenn Grunwald, the guys in that front office, like you look at who they play. This team is all guys they've drafted. Um, there's been a couple of, you know, they signed Tyus Jones and a really good free agent, um, signing. They traded 
for Steven Adams. But like the rest of these guys are guys they drafted. They drafted Des Bain. They drafted John Moran. They drafted Jaron Jackson. They drafted Brandon Clark. They drafted Roddy and, 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 and LaRavia and Zaire Williams. Um, they like to draft and develop. That's what, that's what they're doing. And, you know, last year they had cap space to, to use and they didn't really use it. You know, they, they sort of kept their team in place and, and uh, did it with that. So, um, you know, they definitely have the option to, you know, one of the things that we're already seeing in, um, in this trade market is that there's just not a lot of picks going to be available. Um, uh, and that's going to be a, um, you know, I think we're going to be talking about a lot. Here's Memphis, a team at the top who has a, who has the option to do that. You know, uh, Phoenix is another team that has access to their picks. Um, but we'll see if they actually do it. By the way, uh, Jokic finished. It was a, it was a narrow win over the Hornets. Jokic finished with a uh, 40 points, 27 rebounds, 10 assists. Did, did you see the, uh, the stat that Ben McMahon tweeted out? It, no, I don't follow McMahon. <laughs> of course you don't. Uh, the first 35, 25, 10 triple double since Wilt Chamberlain had 53, 32 rebounds and 14 assists in 1968. Whenever you accomplish something and it's something that hasn't been done since Wilt, it's almost like it's a different category. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't even. It should. So if McMahon tries to bring that for trivia on Friday, you better get that right. Yeah, I'm, I get, I'm not, I'm obviously not good in like, in the type of trivia that Bontemps comes up with. Um, so I, 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 you know, the, the, the Grizzlies are, are a team that not only is performing well, but as I say, they're upwardly mobile, upwardly mobile because they're going to get Bane back. And when, if Bane gets healthy, like very soon here, they will have their full roster for essentially the first time all season, which I know there's a lot of teams that have injuries. It's not just them, but they've had the injuries and are in first. Um, and they're also upwardly mobile because, I mean, I don't know what to do about Danny. I don't really count him on there, but um, yeah. He didn't just tear, you know, he, he mentioned this to me. I didn't know. He didn't just tear the ACL. He also tore the LCL, which obviously has a shorter thing, but he had to have multiple ligaments uh, repaired. So, yeah, it tends to um, you know, it definitely complicates it when you have other ligaments involved. Yeah. So, but he's in good spirits and, you know, he's saying, oh, you know, he's, he's planning on being back and they do, he's, that he stayed in touch with Joe Ingalls and, you know, they just kind of been rooting each other on. So, um, you know, two guys in their thirties uh, who are coming back from the ACLs. So, uh, but you know, Grizzlies definitely. You know, and when you look at you know the most standings, um, the Grizzlies are uh, plus four, but I have a, have, a, have a losing record away. So um, they get back to full strength. Uh, would not be surprised to see them be more formidable defensively because they're going to be better defensively now that they have Jaron Jackson back. He's, you know, ha- you know, combining him with Steven Adams, um, they have, you know, good interior bulk and rebounding. And then uh, Jaron, who can freelance and try to block everything in sight, which he often does, maybe even so much too, maybe even sometimes too much. But um, uh, obviously the Grizzlies are a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, you look at some of the other teams up there, um, you know, not everybody's trending great in the Western Conference right now. The Pelicans have lost three in a row. Their schedule got tough, and and you know, 
Um, Brandon Ingram's been out with a toe injury. Um, you know, the Nuggets sort of go back and forth. Um, you know, tough loss to the Lakers. You know, they come back and win tonight. Uh, the Suns have lost six or last 10 as they deal with injuries. The Kings are coming off a road trip where they, you know, were able to barely keep their head above water. So there's not a lot of teams out there. You know, we just mentioned the, you know, the issues with the Warriors and the Lakers. There's a lot of teams in the West that are trending great. <laughs> the Clippers, now that Kawhi has had a couple of good games in the last week, but how can you, you know, how can you get excited about them? They win three in a row and then Paul George um, and if it's Zubak are immediately hurt and Ty Lue is sort of throwing his arms up. So, you know, the East, there's a lot of action. The West is kind of a bit of a wasteland right now. And the Grizzlies are a team that's trending the best out there. Um, I think Pelton, I don't know if you agree, but. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. I mean, certainly I'm excited about the Pelicans, another team that I, I don't know if you mentioned them, another team that has tons of draft picks right. that they they could potentially trade to upgrade this roster before the deadline. But I feel the like... think about the Pelicans, they're only about $3.3 million under the luxury tax. They've never paid the tax ever. Doesn't mean that they won't, but when you start thinking about what the Pelicans could do with the trade, if it's taking on money that gets them towards the tax. I'm not sure that they're in position to do that just yet. Yeah. They've got, got some tradable salaries that would probably be heading out in a deal like that. Jackson Hayes, who's been out of the rotation. Certainly they would, I would assume love to move Devonte Graham since he's got guaranteed money beyond this year. And then Garrett Temple is in effectively an expiring contract because he's not guaranteed for next year. But uh, I think to your larger point, like the theme of this podcast seems to be it, the NBA standings are like Chicago weather. If you don't like them, wait a week. <laughs> the Bulls are hoping that it would change it <laughs> because right now the fork, right now we're in, the, we're in the, the st- winter hasn't even technically started yet. And it's looking cold. Well, it, was, it was 22 yeah. degrees. I thought they were showing during the Bears game today. So that, that seems plenty winterish to me. Uh, let me tell you, sir, it gets a lot worse. Uh, 22 <laughs> degrees, a lot of days in the winter in Chicago is acceptable temperature. Yeah, I was, I was good, there during actually. All-Star weekend. I, it, was, it was cold enough for me. That is the dead of winter. And uh, the coldest temperature I've ever been in was in Chicago. I think it was minus 18 or something before wind chill. Uh, I remember there was a game in uh, Craig Sager, um, may he rest in peace, went out in the loading dock and th- took a took a cup of water and threw it in the air and it froze before it hit the ground and smashed on the ground. Granted, he he cooled it to like just above freezing. The water was like probably at 35 uh, degrees already before he threw it in the air. But I remember that uh, and saying, oh, boy, I'm looking forward to I saw it on TV and press rail. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm looking forward to that walk to the car. <laughs> Uh, after the after the game so uh all right well thanks for listening to collective podcast thank you mr pelton you always make me and all of our our listeners smarter we will uh be talking to you Uh, enjoy your holidays if i don't talk to you and we will be talking to everybody else later this week